Want to know my greatest strength? The fact I possess a forgettable face. It's true, I swear. Just look at me. Late 30s, white suburban American male. I am the human equivalent of a toast-sliced loaf of white bread. A caricaturist would struggle to find a single feature they could exaggerate on this head of mine. And quite frankly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Handsome men stand out, which means they can't do what I do. And men unfortunate enough to be uglier than me also tend to stand out. So here I am, somewhere in the middle, mercifully plain, perfectly forgettable. My haircut is unremarkable. Shortish back and sides, and there's a hint of stubble on my cheeks. I keep fit, but not too muscular. Maybe the one feature that is in any way distinctive is a slightly crooked nose. Courtesy Ricky Olson, 10th grade. It'll never be straight again. I'm invisible in a crowd, but there is still no accounting for the power of the human memory when it comes to facial recognition. You can plan out everything, but someone with a keen eye and the memory of a supercomputer will still recognize you. It happens the moment I step into the tiny reception area of the motel. The woman at the desk says, You're back. It stops me cold. I could turn and leave, but of course I don't. I look around, just to be sure she's definitely speaking to me. There's no one else other than us two and the people on the TV screen. She's perched on a tatted office chair, looking at me with tired but kind eyes. I think you got the wrong guy, I say, trying my smile on her. I don't forget a face. You stayed here before. Two, three years ago. She frowns, focusing to recall the exact year. You look a little different this time round. It was raining. Ah, I did stay somewhere after Mom's funeral two years back, almost to the day. I was drunk. I paid cash, left as the sun was still rising, walking out to the highway where my car was parked. I didn't look back. Mom never told me how bad her lungs had gotten. I should have visited more. I know that now. We spoke a lot on the phone, her mostly calling me. But it wasn't the same as hugging her and seeing her face in person. If only I'd moved her out near me. But she never would have left Manson. And we couldn't have afforded a retirement home in the city. I can barely afford my one-bedroom walk-up in a neighborhood the real estate agent optimistically called up-and-coming. There were only a dozen people at Mom's funeral, mostly from the home she was in for the last few years of her life. But there were also some familiar faces. When I saw Kay, I was flooded with memories of sitting out the back of her salon with the stacks of old gossip magazines and hair rollers, waiting for her mom to finish work. Marty the plumber, who used to live next door, turned up to the funeral too, still in his blue overalls, but he'd lost his wife recently. For someone to live for 60 years in one town and have so few people show up to her funeral, that was the saddest part of it all. Mom deserved half the town to be there, and maybe once that would have been the case. It was my fault the funeral wasn't teeming with mourners. Maybe they'd earthed their pain and anger through her, 